Ephesians chapter 1, 2 to 14 will be our sermon text for this evening. This month in February, we're going to do a mini-series on the Holy Trinity. One God, three persons. And as I was preparing for this, I decided to take a stroll down Amnesia Lane, if you will, and go back into the archives that I have. And I dug out some old sermons from 2008. Just by show of hands, were any of you here in 2008? Just a couple of you. Yeah, more than I thought. Yeah. So in 2008, if we do a flashback to the beginning, some would say the beginning of the end. But in 2008, I took a calculated risk and I said to Shannon, I'm going to preach through Ephesians, or at least that's my goal. I've been asked, what is your vision for the church? What do you expect to see happen in this church? And I thought my vision is shaped by the book of Ephesians and I want to lay it all out once and for all. And so I took a calculated risk and I'm going to preach through Ephesians. And I said to Shannon, I just want you to be fair warned that I don't think we'll make it past Ephesians 1. I think before we get to the end of Ephesians 1, I'm going to be fired. But if we make it through Ephesians 1, there might be a chance. And I made it through Ephesians 1 and I said, okay, if we make it through Ephesians 3, I think we might be in it for the long haul. And here we are all these years later. Well, what was so controversial about Ephesians 1? Well, you'll find out over the next couple of days that there are some beautiful and glorious truths Revealed to us in this passage that not all professing Christians can appreciate just yet. And that not all people admire as much as we might. As we explore Trinitarian salvation. The salvation that comes to us from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I hope and pray that the Spirit will grant you the grace to respond to these truths. By praising God for his glorious grace. Well, Jesus said that eternal life is knowing the one true God. It's not just about knowing facts and data points about God. The way you might know facts and data points about your favorite rock star or your favorite professional athlete. But knowing God personally, relationally, the way you know each other. The way children know their parents, the way siblings know one another. So this evening, I want to draw your attention to the true and living God who has revealed himself to us in the scriptures as one God in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. If you are willing and able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word from Ephesians chapter one. Verses 2 to 14. And the word of God reads. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. That's the wrong chapter. I was confused. Start over. It was a beautiful chapter too. (laughs) Ephesians 1, not Philippians 1. 
2 to 14. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And that is the word of the Lord. May God add his blessings to the reading the preaching and the hearing of his word and all the church says may be seated. Well, as I said, I want to draw your attention to the true and living God who has revealed himself to us in these scriptures as one God in three persons, the father, the son, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to come back to Ephesians 1, and we'll look at it one section at a time. Next week, we will look at the work of God the Father in our salvation. And then we will look at the work of Jesus Christ the Son in our salvation. And then at the end of the month, we will look at the work of the Holy Spirit in our salvation. But tonight, I simply want to introduce this theme that it is the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons who all work together in perfect harmony, in unison for the redemption of God's people. And that is what Paul is getting at in this passage. As you think about the Trinity, you know that you're getting into deep waters The Trinity is a profound mystery. It's not an easy thing to figure out. People try to do the math on the Trinity. One God, three persons, three persons, one God. And they say the math just doesn't work. Well, the Trinity is not a math problem. This is the personal infinite God revealing himself to us. And if you find yourself wrestling and grappling to understand the Trinity, then let me put your mind at ease and say you're not alone in this. Throughout 
the history of the Christian church, God's people have wrestled and tried to make sense of the Trinity and tried to find ways to best explain or describe or talk about the Trinity. In the fourth century, Gregory of Nazianus, who was also known as the theologian, said that after thinking about the Trinity and trying to understand God, he said this, No sooner do I conceive of the one than I am illumined by the splendor of the three. No sooner do I distinguish them than I am carried back to the one. When I think of any one of the three, I think of him as the whole. And my eyes are filled and the greater part of what I am thinking of escapes me. I cannot grasp the greatness of that one so as to attribute a greater greatness to the rest. When I contemplate the three together, I see but one torch and cannot divide or measure out the undivided light. Now, maybe you haven't thought that deeply about the Trinity as the theologian did. But if you spend any time at all thinking about three and one, one and three, you find your heart and mind going back and forth in what many theologians have come to refer to as the dance of the Trinity. (laughs) That trying to think of one God in three persons forces you in your spirit, in your heart, and in your mind to perform a kind of beautiful, gracious dance where you're moving Back and forth between the one and the three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's more art than science. It's more art than science. And there's a kind of beauty and truth and goodness that comes with this revelation of who God is. But as our forefather in the faith was getting at, the Trinity is truly knowable. We can know God truly knowable and yet not totally, not entirely comprehensible to our finite minds. Throughout Christian history also, we find that the more orthodox and historic Christian traditions have all believed that there is one God in three persons, that the Lord our God is the Lord alone The largest Christian denomination in the world says this in their catechism, that the mystery of the Holy Trinity is the central mystery of the Christian faith and of Christian life. God alone can make it known to us by revealing himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the 39 Articles of Religion, which is used by the Anglican Church, they say there is but one living and true God, everlasting, without body, parts, or passions, of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. And in unity of this Godhead, there be three persons of one substance, power, and eternity, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Westminster Confession of Faith puts it this way, In the unity of the Godhead there be three persons, 
one of substance, power, and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. And before your eyes glaze over too much, let me say to you, Yes, this has put us into some deep waters. And what I want you to hear is that Christians from a variety of traditions are trying to find the language and find the words to describe who our glorious and gracious God is. And I think what they would all say to you and probably would not be offended at all if I said to you, That what we're all trying to say is that language fails us. We literally don't have the words to describe or explain who our God is. We have some of the words to describe and explain some of who and what God is, but we can't quite get all the way around it. We're grasping at a profound yet true mystery. And this is what Paul has done in Ephesians 1. He brings us into this mystery. Not to spook us, not to make life difficult for us, but to bring us into this place of glorious praise and exaltation. And so throughout Ephesians 1, he's highlighting the gracious work of the Father and then shifting gears to point to the gracious work of the Son and then shifting gears again to talk about the gracious work of the Holy Spirit. And in nowhere in the passage does he show or hint that any person of the Trinity is self-serving or contradicting the other. He's simply showing that they are working together in concert for the good of the people of God and for the glory of the triune God. The scripture readings we heard before the sermon all pointed to the glorious revelation of Trinitarian salvation in one God in three persons. Our forefathers in the Old Testament confessed the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. That was their response to this revelation of who God is. Jesus Christ comes into the world, God in the flesh, declaring all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And on the basis of Christ receiving that authority, commissioning his church to go into the world, to all the nations, to make people in the nations followers of Jesus Christ Marking them with the name of the triune God. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The name of God has been placed upon each and every one of you. Making you God's possession, God's people. Reminding you that the triune God has been working 
for your salvation from eternity past into space-time history. And he will bring you out into eternity future, bearing the name of God. Paul is reminding us in this passage that God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is sovereign over all things, even the salvation of sinners. The gospel of salvation is rooted in eternity past and then cultivated in space-time history and then harvested in eternity future. God has a plan and a purpose that he is executing in the world. The Father is the one who arranged for the salvation of the church. Jesus Christ is the one who came into the world to accomplish salvation for the church. And the Holy Spirit is applying salvation to the church. And three times in the passage, Paul reminds us that this is happening for the praise of God's glorious grace. For the praise of God's glorious grace. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that the life of the community of the church of Jesus Christ is built around one God, three persons. There is one spirit, but there is also one body and one hope. There is one Lord Jesus Christ, but there is also one baptism and one faith. And there is one God, the Father, who is over all and through all and in all. The community of God's people, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, is rooted and grounded in this personal, infinite God that we call the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Herman Bovink is a Dutch theologian whose works recently have started to be translated into English, making them accessible to us. If you haven't read portions of Bovink, you're living below your privilege. He says things like this in these big fat books on theology. He says things like this in the doctrine of the Trinity. We feel the heartbeat of God's entire revelation for the redemption of humanity. We feel the heartbeat of God's entire revelation for the redemption of humanity. He goes on to say, we know ourselves to be children of the father Redeemed by the Son and in communion with both through the Holy Spirit. Every blessing, both spiritual and material, comes to us from the triune God. In that name we are baptized. And that name sums up our confession. That name is the source of all the blessings that come down to us. To that name we will forever bring thanksgiving and honor. In that name we find rest for our souls and peace for our conscience. Christians have a God above them. Before them, within them. 
Our salvation, both in this life and in the life to come, is bound up with the doctrine of the Trinity. Yet, we grant that we cannot determine the measure of knowledge also of this mystery needed for a true and sincere faith. Here's the crux of the matter. And here's what I want you to learn tonight. I want you to latch on to it. I'm going to remind you of it again next week and the week after that and the week after that. What is Ephesians 1 telling us? What is the message revealed to us here? And this is it. Crux of the matter. Big Christians, little Christians. All of you listen. The Father loves you. And Jesus is on your side. The Spirit is for you. And God is relentless. He's coming for you. He's been coming for you from all eternity. You can't outrun Him. You can't hide from Him. You can't escape Him. He will catch you. Not because He's angry with you. Not because He's out to get you. But because He loves you. And He desires to save you and to bring you into Christ to seal you with the Holy Spirit so you know your redemption is guaranteed the Father loves you Jesus is on your side the Spirit is for you God is relentless what is our response to all of these things well Paul says it doesn't he in Ephesians 1 verse 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the word blessed that I want you to see. The word blessed is the word from which we get our word eulogy. We usually wait until someone has died and then we give the eulogy at the funeral and we tell the person who's no longer here to hear who's no longer here to hear all the good things we're going to say about them, all the good things we thought about them while they were still alive. And yet Paul does not wait for God to die to eulogize him. He begins eulogizing him by pointing out that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been working in concert to bring about the salvation of his people. And three times he says it. He does this for the praise of his glorious grace. And so what we're going to hear again and again over the next few weeks is this eulogy for the Trinitarian God who brings salvation to his people for the praise of his glorious grace. When we hear who God is and we come to know God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our response to these things should be to fall on our faces in worship and praise of the God who has come into the world to save us. 
This is the right and proper response to this deep and profound theology, isn't it? Doxology is always the response. Praise of His glorious grace is the response. These are the truths that should fill us with hope, faith, and love, and should move us to declare the glorious praises of our God and Savior. Let us pray together. O triune God, I do not cease to give thanks for my brothers and sisters in Christ's covenant church. And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give them the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Christ. That the eyes of their hearts will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope to which you have called them, what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe, according to the working of your great might that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and dominion and power, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Draw us near to you, O God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we may know you and know that in knowing you there is eternal life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.